everybody. Welcome to Mormonish. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Landon. And we have a very interesting guest on today. We are really excited to talk to this guest. Our guest's name is Brother Jones. How are you today, Brother Jones? I'm well, Rebecca. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on Mormonish. We're really excited that you're here. Um, I think we'll start uh, maybe by having Landon read Brother Jones's bio, and then we'll kind of give a little bit of background about what we're going to be talking about today. That's right. And then we'll uh, uh, also tell why Brother Jones is not in the screen. So um, <laughs> Br Brother Jones is a pseudonym. Um, so Brother Jones is highly involved in Thailand the last 30 plus years through study and work. In various roles over the years, he's been exposed to many experiences and details of LDS church history, people, leadership, operations, and events of the church in Thailand. He has a high interest in cultural learning and understanding, a true believer in the value of exposure to people and traditions, which are often dramatically different from our own, and that these things help us understand and appreciate the human experience. He's glad for the opportunity to share today's story, which I think he has a lot to teach us. Uh, this is a pretty fascinating story uh, going back, giving us some history of the church in Thailand. Yep, that's exactly right. We're going to be talking about Thailand today. And I'll kind of preface this by saying you may, if you watch Mormonish, which I hope you do, have noticed that we've done a couple different episodes on temples. We did one on the Cody, Wyoming temple that is um, going to be built and the residents there that are um, proposing that it perhaps go in a different location for different reasons. And then also an episode on the Heber temple. Um, very same thing. The location is there's some problems with it. And they're trying to work through the legal channels in the city to perhaps have it relocated somewhere else. So as we're putting out this episode, uh, we are contacted by Brother Jones um, about the recently opened Thailand temple, which is right now, I believe, in the open house phase where people can go in. There's been a lot in the news about it. And in talking to Brother Jones, um, kind of like his bio said, um, he has a lot of knowledge. He spent a lot of time there. And there's just some interesting stories and circumstances around not only just the temple itself, but the church's presence in Thailand going back decades. So we were really excited to be able to bring this to you. Now, Brother Jones kind of keeps a low profile, and we said that's totally fine. So we get to look at this wonderful picture in Thailand, and we're happy to accommodate him in that way. And we're really excited to get started and hear more. So thank you, Brother Jones, for being with us today. Yeah, thanks. I'm um, I'm excited to share this bit of history, which is a bit of infamy, you might say, in in Thai church history. But I think it's there's there's a lot to be learned from it. Yeah, I think so too. I, I have not heard this story mentioned very often. It was mentioned a little bit in a Tribune article recently talking about the temple. And I think that probably only piqued people's interest because it was just sort of mentioned briefly and then not much more about it. So this will go quite a bit more in depth. So if you happen to read that Tribune article, you're really going to want to stay tuned and, and find out more about the scenario that happened in the early 70s. So I think we're going to share a screen and I think we have some information and some slides and we'll just dive right in. Great. Um, yeah, so I'll go ahead and share. We've got a few slides to share here. Let's see if I can get this going. It's properly. always about the tech on Mormonish, right? Certainly. <laughs> Something always happens. Oh, look at that. Very nice. 
Yeah. So you tell me when you want to start. I'm just going to give kind of the setting and kind of a, a, a quick overview of the uh, of the, the the environment, the 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 area, and some of the noteworthy milestones, and then I'll I'll mention this event that we're going to talk about, and we'll we'll get into more details on that. So is that is that, is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let's let's dive in and uh, yeah. learn a little bit about Thailand. I think uh, everyone knows uh, how exotic Thailand is. Uh, you know. Uh, one night in Bangkok, everybody knows that song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's Thailand. Like that is background music. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, Th Thailand is is sort of become world famous, you know, for tourism. Um, formerly called Siam, as as some of you would know, um, but yeah, it's a major tourist destination and has been uh, for a long time and for for a lot of reasons. But uh, just to give you, you know, some quick history uh you know thailand is uh it's 94 roughly 94 percent buddhist uh theravada buddhism but there's also some other uh, you know far east uh religions present like hinduism uh muslim is there definitely there's been there's been issues with that there's a a, a large sikh or sikh community in thailand um you know there's animism is practiced lots of sort of very sort of exotic uh things and you know a, a very important thing to always keep in mind about thailand is that it was never colonized by uh by the english or the the uk or france or the netherlands or spain as which happened to all of the countries in the region but thailand was not which which has had a major sort of you know cultural uh, that's why they have such a strong um, culture. They were not influenced dramatically by the West, like like say Vietnam or Cambodia or Malaysia or or Myanmar, so to speak. That's a that's a that's a. If you can remember that, if you ever visit Thailand, that's that you can learn a lot from that. Um, but the, ch the 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 church has a. Um, the history of the church really begins there in 1966 or 68, depending on how you count. But there actually was a missionary sent there in 1854. And there was a guy, a guy named Ludlow and he, he wasn't there very long. And I think he had, he had one non-Thai uh, convert, but he didn't spend much time there. Um, that's ancient history in, in Mormonism. Um, but in 19, the 1960s and early 70s, obviously, you know, the Vietnam War was going on. And that's how the Americans established a large presence in Thailand was through uh, military. And there were Air Force bases uh, in a, two or three areas of the country. And naturally, where the U.S. Army goes, the Mormon church is often there, meaning there's, you know, there's people in the military who... Um, hold meetings, so forth. So that was kind of the very beginnings of uh, the church in Thailand. Um, and in 1968 is when uh, missionary work started. This is, I believe it was February of 68. There were six missionaries sent from Taiwan and Hong Kong. Uh, I think that's, yeah. And uh, at the time, um, the mission president was located in Singapore, which is, you know, it's a it's an hour and a half flight south of Bangkok, very at the very end of the Malay Peninsula. 
And um, so quite quite far from Bangkok and communications, you can think back in the you know late 60s, early 70s, communications were quite a bit different than they are now. Um, so, you know, the early, early missionary work begins 1968 and with just a few uh, elders um, and then things build up. And I, you know, I don't know how many were there in say 1972. I want to, I would guess there were probably between 40 and 80 missionaries, but I, I don't know exactly. But in 1972, there was this key event that sort of made world headlines and it was a very embarrassing uh, event that happened and has had long-term impact uh, on the church. And we're going to talk about this event um, today. Um, 1973, the actual Bank Thailand-Bangkok mission was created, of course, established in Bangkok. It's, it's important to remember um, Bangkok is this massive city uh, in Thailand, there's no other city that even comes close to the size. So kind of it's the it's the it's the center of the universe kind of in, in Thailand. Um, so in 1973, the, the mission has begun. And then uh, 1990, there was some more significant legal drama that happened with the church uh, while they were seeking recognition, which we'll I'll, I'll briefly talk about that. Um 1990, I find it an interesting year because it was the first group, uh, first large group of Thai people to go to the temple, and they flew to the Philippines, which is about a three-hour flight, and there were 201 or 203 Thai members, many of whom were missionaries who went through the temple for the first time, and I find the April 1990 is kind of an interesting um year or time in the temple to kind of get more people to the temple um, for, for various reasons. But um, and I, I, I want to mention that it, it never occurred to me when, when I, I was a, I was a missionary in the 80s. It never occurred to me that um, there were elders or missionaries who had never gone through the temple. It just didn't. They always kind of went hand in hand. And I it didn't really it. I never thought much about it. We'll put it that way. That so there were many people who, yeah, served missions who never went through the temple. Yeah. So you're saying uh, missionaries from Thailand who hadn't gone? Yes. Or are you saying yes. missionaries from the United States? Okay. How local ties? So they were, yeah. Local ties had not Most because ties, there was no temple. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Most ties at the time. Uh, even those who had served missions or were serving missions had never been through the temple before. Interesting. Um, yeah. And true. yeah, they must, they must've been thankful for that because they didn't have to wear their garments in that. Humidity. Well, <laughs> yeah. No kidding. No kidding. And the garments and the heat. Yeah. They were, it was a blessing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was kind of interesting, but it, it, it yeah, it, it's an interesting thing, but that all changed in uh, April of 1990. And then all, all the missionaries, uh, started going uh, through the temple, really right at the beginning of when they would serve, they would arrange to have them fly to the Philippines and go through the temple. Uh, it was also, you know, there were missionaries um, who their MTC experience was like three days in the mission office, getting a little bit of training. And that was it. You know, there wasn't, there wasn't this two week or nine week um, experience at the MTC, like Americans or Westerners often had in Provo. 
Wow. Again, another blessing. How, how do you get called? Yeah. <laughs> you wish exactly. you were on a time mission, Landon. You wish it were in Indiana. So. Yeah. No garments, no MTC. That yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you, yeah. You think about it, what a dramatically different experience that would be. So um, anyway, so in 1990, there's about 20 congregations throughout the country. And I believe it was, about, it was three districts. So by congregations, uh, we're probably talking mostly branches. That's why all branches, all branches. There was there was not a stake until 1995, which that's listed there. First stake organized in 1995. Uh, throughout the country at the time, there were, um, according to the church records or Wikipedia, it's about uh, there were less than 4,000 members of record at the time in 1990. Um, so the first stakes organized in 1995. Um, yeah. So uh, over the next, what are we, another 12, 13 years, we, we get up to four stakes and two districts. Uh, again, three of those stakes are in Bangkok uh, and, the, and the two districts are up country. There's one stake that's up in the Northeast. But um, I, I want to add that I, I learned fairly quickly that a stake sort of has a different connotation. Uh, um you know, we think of a stake in the U.S. as being like two or three thousand members, or you know, six or eight wards with uh, you know two three hundred people. But these are stakes that have about at at stakes that have like five hundred five to seven hundred active members in the stake. Okay, um, so anyway, just you know, just kind of giving this this scenario. Um, or the, how, how many the, of these? How many of these are English speaking? Oh, that, that's a good question. Uh, there's always been an English or an international branch or ward in Thailand because of the uh, expatriate community. And I, I will tell you straight up, it's, it's always been the strongest unit of the church in Thailand because of the, you know, the leadership, uh, the people, people that come from the West, who know, how the church is run and all that kind of thing. It's, and it very, you know, it, it's been, I'd say, from a hundred to three hundred, you know, active at any given time over the years. Yeah, you know, embassy people, uh, business people, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. So, uh, twenty twenty three. Here we are, twenty twenty three, and the church states there's twenty three thousand four hundred fifty members countrywide, uh, and of course we know that the there's a new temple uh, opening, uh, and I'll, I'll go to the next slide here in a. It's kind of give you a saying. It's a beautiful place, beautiful temple. It is. And uh, yeah, it, it'll be dedicated next month. Um, some interesting background. Oh, you mentioned the the article. The Trib covered this on, on the 27th of August. Uh, I would encourage any viewer to go look that up. For some reason, that article is not behind a paywall. So you can read the whole thing. Um, and there's some good, it's it's pretty, pretty good. Uh, article it, it covers some uh, some good ground and the site here was actually purchased in 2005 or 2006 um so nearly 20 years before the dedication of uh of the temple according to uh, an elder davies who was a counselor and the presiding bishop brick and i believe he was directly involved in acquiring the property he stated that elder hinckley had a revelation following the death of his wife and sent some people to Asia to buy some properties for temples. And 
Uh, that's all I want to say about that. But uh, it's kind of an interesting, um, interesting history. So there, you know, there was some debate about. Well, I shouldn't say there was some debate. There was some discussion about where that they were going to build the temple. At least that was what was. Um, uh, what's the word shown? They they had discussions with leaders about where they should build it, even though this property had been acquired long long ago and was probably decided at the time but how much debate or you know back and forth happened it's we don't nobody will know or it, that won't ever come to light but um so I, I wanted to just conclude this part that the, the temple I think in light of what we're going to talk about this is a real testament to religious tolerance in Thailand because this is this is by far the most significant event um of the church in Thailand in, in 55 years um and uh, it could have been otherwise had had the the country, the, the the government, or the people been less tolerant of, uh, we'll say, religious uh, diversity. We'll we'll say that. How, how's that? <laughs> yeah, this is. Uh, I just looked up this this temple is forty eight thousand square feet. That's uh, that's you know mid sized temple. It it looks huge in this picture. Uh, yeah, it's pretty good size. I'd say it's very similar to the Hong Kong Temple, if you look that up. I think it's six floors. Um, yeah. And there's an annex, they call it an annex building behind, and that's where there's a couple of stake centers and some, you know, administrative offices, mission office, patron housing, that kind of thing behind so the temple. Is that the building right behind it? That's right. That's that, right. That's a Fairly large building there. That's a large building too. Yeah, I feel when you say significant, um, the temple itself is significant. You know, as far as religious tolerance, this is a prominent building in a prominent location. It's well, not yeah. being tucked away. So obviously, the country of Thailand is like, okay, Mormons, <laughs> build yeah, this. Well, Here it is. It's I would encourage our listeners to go look up a picture of this because um, you can't see our screen, obviously. But it is pretty prominent where it's where it's uh, located here. Yeah, well, I was just going to say that it's located right behind, literally, it's probably, you could walk to the temple, it's probably um, three, two, 200 meters maybe um, from a, a the City Link train that goes directly to the airport. So from there to the airport, you can be there in about 23 minutes. Yeah. Huh. It's wow. a it's, it's a pretty building. Uh, yeah, but it is. certainly does not fit into that environment. It, it, no. <laughs> uh, it's very yeah yeah. But they it I can see they, they they've tried they've tried to uh, stylize it a little bit. Now you'll notice it has nine spires. Nine is a very significant number in Thailand. We don't need to go into that right now. But nine is a very special number in Thailand. Um, I don't think that's by accident that they chose nine spires. Um, it's sort of in the heart of a kind of a, a business area. It's not far from a very significant uh, business area. So yeah, it, it's a, uh, it, it'll be a good location. There's a subway nearby and, and, uh, yeah. So this is a, this is a great thing for, uh, for members there, but it's not, it, it didn't come without its challenges for, for sure. Um, from the announcement to dedication, I think it's like eight See, it was it was announced in April 2015. So what is that? About eight and a half years uh, from announcement to completion. Um, yeah. So, any any other questions about about that? 
Now, just again, I would encourage if you're listening to the podcast, just go look up a picture of this temple because it is a beautiful building and it definitely has the vertical lines that you see there in Thailand and, and it is very prominent. So, you know, yeah. it's allowed yeah. to be there, be a part of the landscape, you know, and culturally, maybe that means being allowed to also be part of the landscape, if you know what I mean. With, with yeah, the- yeah. So in, fa- in fact, before I before I go to the next slide, um, you know, we're going to talk about an event that happened in 1972, which um, was, uh, it's kind of like a legend, you might say. And I I would say that I knew nothing about this or almost, almost nothing about this event when, when I was a missionary in the eighties. And um, there's a lot to be learned from it. I should say since learning about it and since, you know, having spent time in Thailand and, and learning about the culture and the history um, it's been a it, it's been a topic that has greatly interested me for the kind of the cultural sensitivity or the you know the kind of the class of civilizations type topics and so I I, I, I we're going to talk about this I think in a from an approach that you know what can be learned from this and um, th- that's what I, that's what I want to say at this point so can i ask one more question about the temple it's i mean this thing is six stories tall um is this going to be open five days a week six days a week uh i mean that's well oh okay well we'll, we can talk more about that but um no no it will not be open six days five or six days it'll be it'll be very limited hours because there's not that many people who can actually go in i mean very very few uh i mean I know, I know, I know for a fact that there's like throughout the whole country of Thailand, there's only about a, a generous counting would be like 3000 active members through 3,500 3, be a very generous counting. So at most half of those have temple recommends. And so it's a very limited number of people who will be able to go in and use the temple. And, and of course they, you know, they want to use this to, uh, you know, Bring more people in and 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 encourage people to become ready and and to enter the temple and all that kind of thing. So, so maybe we can look at it almost like Rome, a destination temple where it's well, not going to be open very much, but people are going to visit and it's no going question. to show no the more presence. And and then interesting the number that you stated because I had read in the Tribune twenty three thousand members, but you as someone who kind of knows more the lay of the land, they're saying maybe more like three thousand. Yeah, well, just, just do the do the math. If you do the math, there's forty. There's about forty or maybe forty two congregations. A generous counting would be seventy seventy to seventy five active per unit. That would be very generous. There's many units that have like thirty or forty coming. You know, um, but so anyway, I know you've talked about uh, church statistics on your program in the past, which are very interesting, but Again, this is uh, we're sort of getting into the marketing element of of religion, which has always been a little troubling to me. But anyway, <laughs> well, interesting facts. No, that's yeah, very fascinating. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk more so, about that. But, um, yeah. So in 1972, uh, there was an incident that it's kind of become famous, and and you know, for for better or for worse, this will always be tied to Thailand and kind of the church in Thailand, but. Um, there was a there was a there was an image published in uh, Sayamrat newspaper 
which was like a national newspaper. And I was on page four. This was July 9th, 1972. Um, and I'm showing you the full page of the newspaper because until recently, I had never seen the full page. And I was very interested to see how it actually looked on the full page. You can see in the top left of the uh, paper, there's a, you know, there's an image of a Buddha and there's a, there's a, white man with a tie sitting on top. And then there's some text, which we're not going to get into that. But here's here's a close-up. This, this is sort of a famous a famous picture in, um, in the history of Mormon missionary work in Thailand, we'll say. Now, this took place, this, this actually was taken probably in late June of 1972. And there was a group of missionaries visiting these ancient ruins in what's called Sugotai. They were not missionaries in the area. They were they were in another town nearby. And they, as, as missionaries often do, they go visit sites and so forth. And this picture was taken. It was, you know, probably colored. It'd be very interesting if it could ever we could ever find a color image. I assume it was color, but um and uh, we'll talk about where somebody, if they want to go read, you know, the accounts of, of what happened. I'm just giving you a cursory review. But the, the, the picture was developed at a local film shop. And the person there was sort of shocked at what they saw. And uh, this, again, this was probably in maybe, I'd have to check, maybe an hour away from the town from where this was taken. But Brother Jones, um, we, we've got some people who are just listeners that uh, don't have, can you kind of describe the picture? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we have, uh, we have a, you know, a picture of a, of a large Buddha statue and there's an elder sitting squarely on the head of the, uh, of the Buddha. With his head, with his feet are hanging down right in front. They're right next to the eyes and so forth. And he's kind of smiling. And and um, it's kind of a the picture. The, you can tell the pictures. Um, you know, it's it's printed in a newspaper. It's not a very good quality picture. But um, again, this is a photograph of the newspaper, which is like fifty some fifty one years old. Um, can you tell us? Um, the person developing the film. So it's just missionaries. They're out touring. They turn their film into a shop. The person in the shop, a Buddhist, develops the film and sees this. What does he think? What does he feel? Um, what is it about this picture? For those of us that don't understand yeah, exactly okay, culturally okay. the significance in, of this. Yeah. In Often in East, we'll say Eastern religions, the head is sacred. Buddha images are, you know, sacred. Even today in Thailand, you'll see signs that say, you know, you know, don't tattoo Buddhas, you know, don't use them for tattoo, don't buy Buddhas for house decorations, things like that. So Buddhism is is kind of a sacred thing in Thailand. Uh, I mean, it, well, it is, yeah. And um, you, you know, handle these things with care. You treat these things with respect. Um, respecting um, objects and and respecting people and you know parts of the body. So it's, it's the, these are things that that are taken pretty seriously today, and they, I would say much more so, uh, you know, fifty years ago, even even than today. So this would be viewed as just extremely offensive to see this. I mean, this is like whoa, you know, and. Um, so yeah, this, this so this this person um, 
we don't know all the deals, but they, they get this image to the newspaper. Now, we're going to talk about why they would do that. Why were they upset or, you know, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that later because there's some very good research that's been done on this, um, which might serve to explain it more. But but anyway, so this became this, you know, uh, uh, this incredible story. And, you know, so what happened? I, I wanted to add to, you know, was this an innocent mistake by the other? I'm not even going to name them. You can go find the names later, you know, you know but... Uh, that's not even important. But was it an intimate mistake? Yeah, I would say it definitely was. They were probably just, they, you know, at the time, this area was not a big tourist destination. It was not a World Heritage site at the time. Um, we don't even know what kind of condition this place was in. I, but I, I've been to this site. And of course, they've done a lot of restoration. It's a beautiful place to visit. And uh, there is a way, you know, you could get up. The, you, uh, you can kind of see the wall behind it there. And, you know, you could climb down on it and so forth. But um, was it an innocent? Yeah, I would definitely say. And I, I do not blame them. I mean, it was it was kind of uh, they weren't sort of being careful, obviously. But my thought is, well, you know, why is that? Why were they not being more careful? But so this this created a big problem. And we're going to. Yeah, and I would just like to say, I feel like when I heard this story, my heart just kind of went, ah, because I have a young son on a mission. He's a very young missionary. And I feel like being unaware of culture um, yeah. or nuances, he could easily do something that could offend somebody, just culturally, say something or act in a certain way. So, yeah, my heart went out to this kid. Uh, yeah, it's really, it's really, it's really everybody. <clears throat> yeah. And I feel like I'm sure at that time, missionaries were not prepared culturally, because I don't even think the church maybe understood the nuances of culture. And, you know, you heard the stories in the MTC for a couple of weeks thrown out there, just go learn the language, do it with no real cultural, you know, preparation. How do you know the nuances of that, of that country? So yeah, right. I definitely felt for this kid just looked like he was having a good day. And as you said before, the statue, a little worn, doesn't look like an icon or a relic that you might go, Ooh, you know, something tells me hands off. So yeah, I just definitely felt, huh, that could be my yeah. child. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, I, I would say that, um, in the eighties, when I had heard about this incident, I'd never seen a picture of it. I'd never I mean, I didn't really, I didn't know what happened. It was hush, hush. We don't talk about this, okay? And um, so some things that happened, and I'll, I'll tell more about that, that brought this picture into the newspaper again. And I, I got to see, um, it was like, you know, a reprint of a reprint or whatever. And um, so any, anyway, um, here's a, you know, here's a couple of photos of this area, of this exact temple today. It's called Watsi Chum. Um Again, this is probably about six uh, six hours drive north of Bangkok, north a little bit, yeah, north. And um, I had actually visited this place not knowing that this was the site. I was kind of looking, I was trying to figure out what it was, and I, you know, again, I didn't have information. I didn't have clear information about where did this actually happen. And it turns out I had visited it. I have I have my own photos. These are not my photos, but. Um, Anyway, so that's what it looks like today. If you ever have a chance to to visit, and maybe maybe we'll draw some some uh, uh, tourists. I was gonna say, you know, maybe maybe there'll be people that listen that want to go see the temple in Bangkok. I hope you go. I hope you go spend money. You know, support tourism, support the people there. It's great. It, it'll be a wonderful experience. So, um, 
anyway, so that's what it looks like today. So here, uh, so what happened? Uh, 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 well, I, I should say that, um, let me see real quick here. Yeah. So uh, the elders, I guess I haven't, I haven't told some of the important, the elders um, began to see there was a problem in the city. They were wondering what was going on. There was, you know, communication. They were ultimately uh, uh, arrested. They were trying to, according to the one account, which I'll talk about in a minute, they were trying to get out of Dodge. They were trying to get out of, out of bank, get, get out of town. And as they were trying to leave, they, they got arrested. Um, it was published in the paper. There was this up and people in the local area, the police got involved and they were, they were arrested. Um, and, and so it was the elder who sat on the statue, and then it was his companion who companion. took the picture. That that's, pair that's was arrested. Yeah, because I read I read an interesting account as I was kind of reading up on this of another missionary that just was in the city, and he woke up one morning and there's a picture in the paper, right? Yes. And when he goes back to his apartment, he gets a call from the mission president that says, "Stay inside." So the right. environment was charged when that was happening. And then he was kind of told as the weeks went on, don't use the word Mormon as you're out talking to people. So definitely right away, supercharged. Something is happening with Mormonism. You know, be careful. Yeah. And they I wanna, were arrested. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they, yeah. They were arrested. Well, well, you, as you'll learn here in a moment, they, they ended up spending six months in jail. Um, and this was reported on. But I, I want to make a, a make an observation. I notice in this picture the elder does not appear to be wearing a name tag, okay? Which nobody's ever mentioned this, and I don't know. I, I would be curious to know if elders at that time were or were not wearing name tags in Thailand. I can't imagine they were not, but I'm wondering if they went to this site and maybe took were told to maybe take off their name tags. I don't really know. But I will say this, that there um, there were times in, in, in my era where we went to another country, we were told to remo remove our name tags uh, because we couldn't be open about what we were doing um, in, a, in another country. I, I can explain more about that later. So I don't know. That's kind of an interesting thing. But um, yeah, so they were they were um, they were arrested. It was you know they got a, there was an, an attorney got involved. Of course, the mission presidents in Singapore. There's communication. Like, What's going on? Telegrams. They tried to get the U.S. embassy involved, and it was very quick that they were uh, tried and convicted and put in jail. Uh, I think all within like a week. Now on the 15th of July, there was a there was an official statement given by the mission president, um, name was Shirtliff. Um, and some of that was published in the paper. Here's another, there's another page. This is on, I don't forget what page this is on. I can't see real quick, but um, actually, no, this is front page. This is the front page. There's a, a the statement, it goes on to the, another page, but it's basically a, a, a sort of an official statement from the mission president, you know, requesting forgiveness. We're sorry for what happened. There was no intent to desecrate. It was just a misunderstanding. It was an accident. And we're very sorry. And, you know, he mentions we, you know, we have respect for all religions and things like that. And it was, you know, I think it, I think it was, it was well written because uh, there was an uproar. There, there were um, other, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find more documentary evidence of 
what was really published between the 9th of July and say the 15th or the end of the year, but uh, that's ongoing. But there's various accounts that don't match up to what was really published. But I was there was think, there any call to like remove Mormons? I mean, like um, the one article I read, the missionary reporting it years later said we were told not to say Mormon. We were told to lay low. It almost made it sound like they're you know very supercharged environment, maybe. Um, yeah, get, get um, the Mormons out of the country, or in my in my discussions with people who were there at the time, uh, they thought they were going to be they thought all the missionaries were going to be expelled from the country, wow. but that did not happen. Okay. Yeah. Well, and I um, also read that you know maybe in a more overarching way, you know it it made people enter that discussion of you know. Western culture ramrodding its yes. way, you know, into Thailand yes. and Thailand yes. saying, no, we're not having that. So here's a, you know, here's a pivotal incident where you can talk about both sides of that scenario and everybody's kind of using it to, to get their point of view out. I think that's exactly. Yeah. This, this is a very important issue to talk about. So um, I just wanted to show some of the English language coverage that happened. Uh, the New York times covered it. You can see uh, bottom left. There's a, it's from the New York times. July 15th, uh, 1972, they report Thai sentenced to Americans on a charge of sacrilege. That was the, that was the really, it's like, you've, you know, this is sacrilegious or this is offensive. You're desecrating our, you know, our Buddhism and all that. And you got to understand Thai, Bud Buddhism and Thainess like go hand in hand. Okay. And I'll explain a little bit more about this, uh, in a few minutes, but New York Times covered it. Straits Times, I think they're a Singapore uh, uh, publication. They covered it. The Bangkok Post obviously covered it. Now, this is a very interesting photograph. You can see this is the front page, um, July 15th, 1972. You can see the two elders. The six months jail for Buddha sacrilege. So you can see two elders kind of walking down the steps being handcuffed and that they're on their way to to jail <laughs> okay i'm just thinking of the parents i'm not yeah. kidding i'm just thinking of those poor parents going oh my gosh i sent my son on a mission he had a farewell a few weeks later he's literally in a thai jail i mean yeah i just can't well, even imagine as a parent what they felt yeah it would be it would be a, a horrible uh time i was but, gonna say um, what are the what are the conditions of thai jails I, I mean obviously not good not good they're they're you know everyone they they joke they never want to end up in a Thai jail you know <laughs> but um not good obviously in fact this this is kind of an interesting part of the story during their six months in jail there were missionaries assigned to go visit them every day so they send missionaries to the area they would live there every day they would go they'd probably take them food they would go it's you know see how they're doing just be company with them and and i don't know how long they could i'm sure there's many journals out there that have written about you know we visited the elders in jail today or something like that um maybe that'll eventually be published that would be that'd be that'd be very interesting um maybe a mormonish viewer or listener is one of those missionaries yeah. <laughs> who visited them you know stranger things have happened on mormonish so exactly yeah th this is what yeah this is these are these little stories that, you know, when you dive deep can become very interesting. There's a lot, lot to learn from them. Um, so anyway, uh, that that's an the English press did cover this. They also covered when they were released in January. I didn't put that in this presentation, but New York Times also 
publishes when they were released. It was like right in the middle of January 1973 when they were released and they were immediately, you know, deported. I think they were probably near the end of their mission anyway. I, I'm not sure. But um, anyway, so um, there was also uh, other letters published and sort of dialogue about this incident uh, in, in other publications in, in this is also, I think this is also Bangkok post, uh, July 22nd letters to the editor. Um, you know, you can see this, a sad travesty of Jesus. So they reprint the image again. And, uh, you know, the guy's asking would their religion have allowed Buddhist monks to preach in their area, that kind of thing. It's just kind of a kind of, this is, this is actually a translation was printed on page four. They claim this is a translation of a letter that was published in another pub in another in a Thai publication. So, you know, there's there's information or uh, more stories coming out about this, and it's in the press. And and um, yeah. So I just want I thought that was kind of interesting. So this is the second uh, printing of the image that I've been able to find. There were more, but we'll talk about that later. But. Anyway, do we know if this was ever mentioned in the church? Like, pray for our elders, general conference, yeah. right? Some elders uh, are in trouble. I I doubt it was ever mentioned. You know, I never heard anything, and I would have been like eight or this, nine. So, this, but I doubt a, it. <laughs> that's a very good question. This incident, I don't, I don't believe it was covered in church news or Deseret. It might have been in the Deseret news. I don't know. That's a good question. I'd have to. I'd have to do a little research. The I don't know if the Tribune covered it. I think they did. I think they did. But I know some later incidents were covered. I'm going to show a little bit of that, um, which we'll talk about. Um, I want to talk briefly about some more recent publications. Again, this entire story was kind of a big blur, and it was un. It was it was hard to find out about. Uh, until um, some actual publications were produced relating to this. And in 2006, uh, there was a self-published book called Translating Scripture. And you'll see the name Reed Haslam. He's, uh, you know, he has a website and he did some, he did some really important work in collecting stories about primarily about the translation of the Book of Mormon into the Thai language. But in that book, he includes what he calls a, a you know a series of or an, an unfortunate event. And he he actually spoke with one of the elders involved and others who who knew directly what had happened. And he he gives an account of the story. That is the first time I had ever seen I don't know if that, is that considered a firsthand or a secondhand account of what happened outside of like a newspaper, right? Um, and it would be very interesting to know what what other people have written. If the, you know, there's things out there that have never been published, like you know, college papers, anything like that. But um, that was published in 2006. In that account, it mentions you know the elders sitting on the shoulder of the Buddha or standing on the shoulder. That's not what the picture shows. Um, and there's, some other, there's, there's <laughs> some other claims in there that, that about what was published in the paper that I don't think are quite accurate. But um, in 2012, he he sort of republished a lot of that content in a book called The Light Breaks on Southeast Asia, which is kind of a history of the church in Southeast Asia. And so that one you can still buy. 
you can still find that on Amazon, I believe. Um, so anyway, if you want to go read um, those accounts of this event in more detail, that's where you would go. Uh, in 1998, Lanier Bridge, uh, BYU professor who's retired, um, he published a book called From the East, uh, Deseret Book, I should say, published it, right? Um, and that, of course, has a chapter on Thailand, and uh, it also discusses this event. Unfortunately, I, I wasn't in a position to look at my own copies of this stuff, and so I... Um, I'm not going to share a lot of details, but that that's a good place to go read about the event. But again, um, there it's a topic that they don't like to talk about. It's 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 a sensitive topic. I'll just put it that way. It's right. a sensitive topic, it's and they don't want to go into a lot of detail, <laughs> right? Okay. <laughs> um, so, at 2016, Shane Strait, who's a professor at Kent State, I don't know if you can, if we're hiding, but in the Journal of Religion and Violence, he published an article called, uh, can you see it there? It's yeah. called Sukhothai yeah. Incident, Buddhist yeah. Heritage, yeah. Mormon Missionaries, and Religious Desecration in Thailand. This, I think, is a, a really excellent overview of the story and kind of the the conditions at the time that might have created or caused this to be such a big deal in Thailand, where it talks about um, the article examines the media's reaction to the Sugotai, he calls it the Sugotai incident, and uh, situates the controversy within the larger context of Thai anxieties regarding the influence of Americanization on local culture. This is critical because, of course, you got Americans running around Thailand, military, American military. And uh, so it, it's not simply, oh, people were out to get the church. It's This is not, not the case. I mean, it, it, there were certainly other, um, other Christian denominations in Thailand who are not friendly with the church per se, because I, I, I probably failed to mention that the, the, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is not formally recognized in Thailand. It operates as a foundation. And um, getting formal recognition is has, has been difficult from the beginning. It has not happened yet. And there there's there's some reasons why the church wants formal recognition, but frankly, the, the lack of recognition has not hindered terribly the operation of the church or, or missionary work. But um, anyway. Um, so if I can ask a question, so you can operate there um, and proselyte, but you're just not formally recognized as a religion uh, sanctioned by the state, something like that. Is that kind of what you're that and they're 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 limited with some things that they can do related to oh, okay. related to land at land and related to like burying dead and oh. what's really key what really is the key is uh the number of visas that that the church is given for missionary work oh. now I, I mentioned earlier that missionaries um used to leave the country every 90 days 
that mm-hmm. ended in about 1994, roughly. And it was because of basically, you know, government relations. If you, you know, get approval, then you can extend your visa um, without having to leave. And there's people that do that. Um, but um, the Trib article mentions at the very, well, in there somewhere, when it's all oh, the, the visa problem has been resolved. I can tell you the visa <laughs> problem is always tenuous it's it could always change at any minute and if if they lose their ability to extend visas then missionaries have to leave the country every 90 days and there's a significant expense to that okay um, so you had to do that because you I were did. there in the 80s so you I, had to leave every 90 days i had an uncle who was a mission president in russia and that was what he spent his time doing is facilitating oh, yeah. these elders going back and forth to get the visa to come back in. All his time was spent doing that. And so you did this too. That's back correct. And forth. You have to spend like five days somewhere else. Yeah, when I was, it was it, yeah, when I was doing it, it was a, uh, every other trip was like a three day trip and every other trip was a, just a one day, but, but it, you, you lose a day and we were flying at the time. There were times when elders were riding the trains to the border that they could lose a week at some, in some wow. time, you know, two or three days. And, yeah, it's very, very costly in time and money. And so anyway, I'll, I'll just say that probably what probably the key, probably the most important issue regarding recognition is uh, is visas, missionary visas, the ability to have missionaries come and go a, as the church wants. And I know I, I know for a fact that there have been visas denied in recent months. I know that. Um, but. I'll, I'll leave it at that. I'm not going to talk too much about it. Um, so Can anyway, I ask one more question yeah. about your time there. So I noticed in the Tribune article that when they, they touched on this story and they had a link you could click that took you to an article that was kind of a dead end with just a headline. But it said this incident definitely ch- made the church change the way it taught missionaries about the culture uh, you know, of a place they were going to go to. And so you were there you know, 10 years after probably whatever, did you, I mean, were you warned about this or, okay. I mean, you said you didn't know much, but was this something, a cautionary tale? Do you feel you got more instruction? I just uh, wonder what impact if the Tribune is right. I did get some cultural training, but it was probably, I, I would say it was like one to two hours maximum. And it was just kind of the basics thing. I, I do want to add this, uh, which relates. I was, I was told virtually nothing about Buddhism. And I'll relate a story at the very end of this uh, that that relates. But I, I knew almost literally nothing about Buddhism and, and what its tenets were. And, you know, it, it just didn't, it, it never, it was not part of our training at all. And, um, I mean, I did get some cultural training about, you know, you don't point with your feet or you, you know, just some kind of the common practices and so forth. But this particular incident was never discussed openly, even even into the 90s. When I talked to some leaders, I wanted to find out, you know, they were they were from this era. They did not want to talk about it at all. It was, you know, it was it was tab, kind of taboo to talk about. They just didn't want to talk about it. Um, and I don't know. Does that answer your question? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's it's really interesting to me that you didn't know anything about Buddhism and it wasn't part of the missionary training curriculum because, you know, to me, part of what you're supposed to do when you teach people about religion is you're supposed to relate to the level of where they're at. So yeah. to, 
understand the people and know what where they're coming from, it would almost seem that you would need to know that. Yeah, th in that regard, um, almost none. I mean, I, it was just maybe what I picked up from talking to people or, you know, but there was no formal like, here's what Buddhism is, or here's what it means to be Buddhist, or here's what they believe about, uh, you know, deity or consciousness, whatever. None of that. None of that. Um, yeah. So it would have profounded, it would have changed a lot of things. I mean, yeah. And, and anyway, it, it's, it, it could, it could do a lot of uh, good. Cultural training is really critical for relating to people in, in my opinion. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, let's see here. Let me go to this next slide. Okay. Okay. So in the late, late eighties, uh, the first Thai speaking mission president was called. This was a profound change up to that point. All the mission presidents did not speak Thai. Um, and this person was a native. He was native to Thai, but he had become a U.S. citizen through adoption. He, you know, he has his own history. You can learn about him. I think the actual article has a picture of him. Um, so he comes to Thailand in 1988. He can speak Thai. He can relate to the members like no mission president ever has. And so this is a significant change. I would add that it's kind of interesting that since that time, there's not been a, a, a native Thai mission president, but there have been, they've almost all been Thai speakers. Um, so anyway, one of his key objectives in when he came into the presidency was to obtain formal recognition for the church. And I don't know if that's ever been published, but I know this because he was, he was heavily working with the government, building relationships with the government. Of course, he's, he's a, right. He's Thai. He can actually deal directly with people and speak their language, so to speak. Uh, but again, formal recognition would mean like uh, visa benefits. It would make, we wouldn't have to do the visa visa runs. And so um, for some reason we'd heard, again, this was kind of like gossip. We never got like formal explanations about this stuff, but we, we for some reason we thought that, oh, if we have 6,000 members in of the church in Thailand, we'll be, we'll be officially recognized. It's like we can check that box and we'll become formally recognized. That was that was not the case. Um, it was extremely complex, and we had no chance of understanding. At least, the, you know, the young elder had no chance of understanding all of the nuances involved in uh, what it would take to get recognized. But at, during his mission, he took some government officials to BYU, Hawaii. He took them to Salt Lake. It was like a, I don't know, it was like a 10-day trip or something. Took them to Salt Lake, even took them to Los Angeles Temple. He's trying to show these people, you know, that, that this church, this religion is a worldwide phenomenon and we have all this, you know, cloud and power and money. And, you know, we're like, you know, we're like a force to be, to behold. And uh, so that, that you can look that right up on Google, you know, the church reported on that. There were meetings with the prophet, with President Benson. And, and so that was kind of a big deal. And um, however, in, um, at the time, the church published a local, kind of like a little enzyme, 
of like, you know, faith promoting, you know, it was like a little enzyme, right? Local, locally produced because language producing language, local language materials was, um, there wasn't a lot that we had, you know, we, we did have kind of the standard works at this time, but, um, other, other publications were minimal. There was no Leahona. There was no like ensign. So they, they would produce things, uh, or in local language. And, um, there was an article printed. I want to say it was, I, I, I think it was 1989. I'm not sure, but, um, it was about the, the topic came up in the article, uh, it was about wicked traditions. If you look up DNC 9339, it talks about the wicked traditions of our fathers. And of course, this is the mission president's article. He would write an article or print, and they would get printed and it would distribute. I literally think there might have been two or 300 people in the church who even read it. Very few people, uh, I think, would have read it. it would, I would be surprised if more than 500 people actually read it. But anyway, um, he briefly mentions in the article you know, some Buddhist things about monks chanting things that they don't understand, or he talks, he, he mentions some festivals that are related to Buddhism and how, you know, these things are just traditions that nobody, people don't understand what they really are. And, you know, this is, the insinuation is that this is Satan using traditions to deceive people, right? And way to make yourself beloved in the people's yeah, I mean, hearts, you know, right? I, I think to put was, out a pamphlet that says what you're doing is totally yeah. wrong. <laughs> so, I'm not surprised though. <laughs> yeah. So um again, I, I, as a as a, a member, they wouldn't really think much about this. I mean, it just wasn't um it wasn't a big deal. But um somehow in 1990, this article got leaked and it got it got, it hit the press. It hit, it hit the newspaper uh -oh. and the entire article was reprinted in the newspaper. Okay. And not only that, and I, I have, I have photocopies of this. They, it, it, parts of it were underlined with like a Sharpie. And that was like, it was like a photograph put in the newspaper. So it really stood out. It was really kind of funny. Um, and this began a series of, you know, bad press, uh, it was about two weeks or so um, about the, about the church and you know the, the Mormons and during this time the the Buddha incident was reprinted the 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 picture was reprinted the one we showed earlier that was the first time I'd ever seen um, the picture um, there's I found out later that there's been some speculation about how or why this happened. But of course, you know, it was enemy enemies of the church or whatever. Um, Always those enemies. Yeah, it's nothing yeah. they actually did themselves to get them in hot water. It's yeah, but you enemies. know, right? Yeah, right <laughs> at this time that you know the church is trying to go for recognition and you know build up its image and all that, and then this hits the paper, and we're in you know, uh, so the bid for recognition it's dead. Okay, um, eventually the mission president has a court date. This was in 1990. Again, this is what the the, the church. Uh, reported Deseret News. This is December 20th, 1990. Uh, church works with authorities in Thailand over officials' arrest. That was the mission president. And nobody, well, it was a big deal. Um, and I, he, he will tell his story. Uh, I think his story is going to be being published now, but he'll talk more about this event. But 
Um, even uh, even later after he left the president, he didn't he didn't really want to talk much about it. It's a very uh, sensitive thing uh, to him. And so it's not talked about. I, I believe he spent two nights. This this mentions that he spent he was released two days later after bail was arranged. Uh, bail, he paid a very small fine and, you know, it was kind of over. Um, but I'm guessing it wasn't ever mentioned or was it? in the States or anywhere like that in the church news mission president arrested. You just, well, again, the Deseret news, anything like that. Church, the church, I don't, I don't think the church news reported this, but right. uh, there were Engl other English uh, publications that did talk oh. about this. You can Google this and you'll find some things. Yeah. Um, and, and now, this is in the Deseret news, like the, the article right there is Deseret news. That's correct. That's correct. Oh, you can just Google that. You'll see it. Looks it right. <laughs> Deseret News. Deseret News did cover it. So kudos. But it says it. official. It does not say. Does it say mission president? Uh, in, in the, the text, print? it does. I can't read that. Yeah. It does. The, text, the headline does. just sounds like okay. Yeah, but it's actually. It, it also mentions uh, an entrance charges filed against an elder Hugh W. Pinnock, member of the First Quorum of the Seventy. Um, now. One of the issues related to this was that it was sort of like a publication. It was an illegal publication because it wasn't registered properly, something like that. But not not really a big deal, um, honestly. But what was inflammatory about was 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 some of the comments about Buddhism and traditions. Now I want to mention this: the Thai monarchy is mystically tied to Buddhism. Buddhism. Um, and the monarchy is an extremely sensitive thing to talk about in Thailand. So there's something called a one-one-two law. This is a major um, political and sort of power struggle going on in Thailand, really for the last say 20 years. Um, Thailand has some very uh, strict and kind of ominous laws related to the monarchy. People, you know, it's, it's antiquated and all that. So it's very sensitive. And so when you criticize Buddhism, it can be tied very easily to criticizing the monarchy. Um, so that's why it's very sensitive. And I would also say that in 2002 to 2004, there was another concerted effort to obtain official recognition for the church in Thailand. And that attempt died. You, if, if, you're, if you know Thai politics, in 2006, there was a, another coup among dozens. Um, and um, there was a lot of drama going on with the prime minister. I know that, yeah, I mean, let's just put it this way. We know that the church leverages its power in Washington to, to, for influence in other countries. We know that there's no question about it. And, um, I'll just leave that. But anyway, uh, 2004, there was a big push to try to get, get approval. And that all died as well. There was, it, it was like, there's not going to be much benefit to doing this right now. Let's just back away. And, and the whole thing was put to rest. So that, that's 20 years ago now. Right. Wow. Um, so anyway, this this Buddha incident has failed to disappear. You know, people like us still talk about it. And, you know, that, that's but anyway, there's there were long term implications to what happened to, you know, from cultural sensitivity. So um, as I come to any other questions at this point. No. So I come to my last slide or near near the end here. You know, what are the takeaways from this incident and this this uh, you know these events? Um, I like to say, you know, cultural ignorance can be very risky. Um, 
And of course, we know religion is a huge part of culture. And we have to be sensitive, aware, um, respectful. Um, you know, I think it's a it's a it's an interesting question to ask how culturally literate can an 18-year-old or 19-year-old American be, you know, especially somebody like myself who was not exposed to other religions hardly at all in my life. Um, you know, what so Anyway, th those are those are some things that that I that I think about that how how cultural ignorance can be very risky and can can cause um, real damage. You might say. Uh, I don't know what kind of training is being done uh, now to avoid these kind of problems in in say Thailand or other parts of uh, the world where where it's um, where things are sensitive. Um, you know, I think it's it's worthwhile to ask: Are we are we tolerant of others' beliefs? Um, what does it mean to LDS people today to be tolerant of other people's beliefs? I know that tolerance and uh, that's kind of a that can be a triggering word to some people. I think, um, and you know, accepting differences and things like that. So, um, I will say that Thailand is an incredibly tolerant country. Uh, of different beliefs. That, that's if you go read the Tribune article, it mentions how um, open Thai society is, um, and I think it's directly related to Buddhism. They're very uh, people always comment on how kind Thai people are. It's the best part of Thailand, that kind of thing, and I think it's directly related to uh, Buddhism and, and that philosophy and how it, it uh, impacts people's, the way people interact with other people from all different kinds of, of backgrounds. Um, I, I think it's also very relevant that documented history is extremely powerful. Um, um, when we have documentation, um, it helps us understand what happened. Um, it helps us get to the facts. And um, we live in an age where documents are powerful things. <laughs> we'll say that, right? <laughs> so, uh, don't course, go away. Think, yeah, yeah, it doesn't go away, you know. And, it doesn't uh, go away. Yeah, I mean, we, we were talking earlier about the, 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 how faulty memory can be. Um, it's really incredible how quickly memory fades and how we misremember things. Um, uh, and how that can cause a lot of misunderstanding. Um, you know, I mentioned transparency. Transparency, I think, fosters a lot of uh, awareness and better outcomes in, in various things, causes less extremes in, uh, in say, beliefs or uh, how we deal with, with people. Um, anyway, um, that's uh, that's kind of a story. What what other questions, your comments do you have? I, I mentioned you know the numbers three thousand active. I mentioned this is fifty five years of huh? missionary work in Thailand, and that's what we got. How, um, how many people uh, are in Thailand? What's their population? And also, because uh, I can hear already, well, this doesn't include the twenty stakes in Cambodia and Vietnam. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, there's uh, about 70 million in Thailand. I think Wiki will say 71 million. There's millions of people from other countries, uh, especially Myanmar, which has had lots of political turmoil. There's like there's a few million uh, 
Burmese, we used to call them Burmese, Myanmar people in Thailand. Um, but yeah, so it's just say 70 million. Uh, and so it's a very small. Well, uh, I, I, I just did the calculation on that. Um, so 3000 active members, that temple was built to serve 0.000042% of the population. That's right. That's right. Um, it's interesting to note that in the entire country, there's only about 850,000 Christians, less than a million Christians in the entire country. Um, yeah, and, and of course, the Catholics have a big presence. They have the schools, they have the hospitals, and you know, there's some other Christian denominations. Are Time they recognized? Are, yes. Is the Catholic yes. Church, do they are recognized? Catholics and they don't need visas, they can go back and forth in Protestants. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they've been in, they've been, They've had a presence in Thailand for I don't know, 200 years or so, maybe right. longer. But um, I would say that they're invested in the schools and the hospitals. I mean, there's major hospitals, major schools and universities in Thailand that are run by uh, Catholics. OK, um, I would love to see more of that happen from uh, the LDS church. Yeah, um, that's what I was just going to say. One, yeah. one group's building schools and hospitals and the other's yeah. building elaborate buildings. Uh, exactly. Uh, that doesn't, doesn't uh, endear yourself to people when you, when you put beautiful, expensive buildings, but you're not providing right. anything for the people. Yeah. yeah that's it, the it, biggest yeah. missionary work. Just do some charitable work, put well, some infrastructure together for charity. It seems like that. Yeah, there, there, there is missionary yeah. work. Let, let me uh, let me just I'll, I'm going to try to be very um, kind about this, but there is humanitarian work that the church does in Thailand. And it's, you know, it's almost always run through senior senior couples. OK, but I would have to say that on a on a, on a from a big picture scale, the 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 level of charity work in or humanitarian work that happens in Thailand from the church is almost uh, invisible. It's so, it's so small. Okay. Um, we, you know, we use these things to kind of, well, look, well, look what we did, look what we did and look at this great work and all this. It is tiny. It's almost in unmeasurable, almost, uh, you know, it's how small it is. Um, and so anyway, I know it's an effort and it, and it, it can help people, but, um, it, uh, that if, if they want to play in the big leagues, they gotta, they gotta, they gotta do something well, really, and, that, and they could. With could the they? Yeah, they have. I think they might. They might <laughs> they be could. able to. They absolutely <laughs> could. So, I was going to say that. Um, talking about how uh, it keeps coming back to bite them. I was researching this, and I found an article about an incident in 2008 with a, a missionary. It was in Colorado, I think, and they had taken some disrespectful pictures with some Catholic statues outside of a church. They were, I think, holding the head. Or anyway, the same kind of thing. And in this article, it brought this incident up again so you're yeah. right it keeps coming back yeah. to show this cultural insensitivity or just lack of any kind of knowledge and in this article it kind of talked about you know that perhaps the church says yes we are tolerant but there's a difference between tolerant and having an understanding and respect to tolerate or to be tolerant is sort of looking down your nose from a, moral, yeah. a position of a moral high ground and saying well you do what you do you know i think back to a case in utah a couple years ago where a teacher um got in quite a bit of trouble in an elementary school because on ash sunday mm -hmm. 
or Friday, she asked a child, what's that on your face? Wipe it off. You know, not understanding it was a religious ritual that was very important, you know, and I felt sorry for that person because I thought if she grew up LDS, she literally probably had no idea, you know, of these other, these other practices that are so important. So it is kind of. That's exactly right. And that leads, that leads kind of, that that dovetails nicely with my last slide here, um, which is an anecdotal story. Um, Almost anybody who goes to Thailand will pass by this shrine, we'll call it, in right in downtown. It's called the Erewhon, Erewhon Shrine. And um, I remember passing by this as a greenie and thinking to myself, look at those people. They're, they're worshiping an idol. I'd never seen anything like this in my life. I was like, I was like shocked to see it, okay? And I thought to myself, man, I, how, how deceived these people are. Um, I, you know, it was, it was just, that was what I was sort of trained to, to believe. And I did not understand anything of what was going on there. And then people come here, they do, they, they give, uh, you know, they, they pay respects, they make little sacrifices, they, what do you call them, alms and things like that. Is it a commercial enterprise? Absolutely, yes. It's a commercial enterprise. But people come from all over the world who are visiting and they do things at this thing. It's actually a Hindu, it's actually a Hindu shrine. Okay. Hindu uh, Buddhism in Thailand is mixed heavily with Hinduism uh, and Brahmanism. And so, you know, that was my reaction, thinking, well, these people are worshiping idols. I was just like shocked, but I I didn't understand what was really going on. And I thought to myself, had I not been more, if I had, if I had been less sensitive or less, um, you know, considerate, you know, I could have made a stupid mistake like these missionaries and desecrated something and got myself thrown in jail. Um, you know, could, you know, you just never know. But uh, anyway, as I, as I thought about this over the years um, and as, as I've sort of become more, um aware of the big picture of LDS culture. You know, I've I've asked myself, you know, do do LDS people worship idols like this? Oh no, we don't worship idols, but do we? There, there are definitely, I think, um cultural things in in our in the in the church where it's like we we revere and and respect almost worship leaders or buildings or certain stories that um we're not we're not really fully aware of what we're doing. So anyway, that's my, that's my, that's my presentation. I don't think, I think that's the last one. And yeah, so we could, we could uh, end it there. Any, any, any questions, but I, I find this whole story very interesting and a real opportunity to learn and, and um, gain perspective. And uh, as I'll say, uh, appreciation of the human experience. <laughs> I, I, I like this, uh, uh, last picture and you know for those who can't see it it's a uh, kind of a shrine a, a gold temple with a I can't tell what's in it maybe a Buddhist in in it uh, uh well, it, it yeah I, it's, it's the three-faced uh three-faced statue from Hinduism I'm trying to think uh it's not you've it's got not, you've got you know a couple dozen people uh lighting incense and you know they're buying the incense and walking up to the to the uh shrine to to offer incense to it yep I, I look at this picture and i i i compare that to the 
first picture of the temple that you showed. And this is much more modest <laughs> yeah. than that. Uh, so when you talk about worshiping buildings, you have, you know, a couple dozen people walking into that building and they've offered tithes and offerings to go to that building. Where's the difference? What's the difference between these two people? And uh, it, it, it just shows, you know, these buildings just become a monument that uh, are, are literally almost worshiped by people. And you, you look, I, I just did a quick, calculation at two thousand dollars per square foot which is the average for a temple what i'm told uh you know forty eight thousand square foot you're talking about 96 million dollars the church spent to build that building uh and um, uh, so i'll just say that 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 number is not far off from what i've heard that's that's exactly right that's close. so <laughs> you know when, when you're willing to spend 96 million on a temple you know, how much good could that $96 million do building a hospital or something uh, like that that would help, uh, you know, better serve the people? Because you're really building the building to yourself. You're the only ones who can go in. You're not helping the people in the country. You're helping, you know, maybe your members, uh, you might yeah. say. But yeah, yeah it, it, it is. A, it, 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 yeah, it, it does kind of put things into perspective, but um Anyway, no, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to share this story and to, um, you know, put it in context. I mean, I, I know we, we glossed over a lot of the details. I've showed you where to go. I, I could, uh, a bit, there will be more research done. It's an interesting case study. And yeah. eventually, be, I think it'd be interesting to translate all of the uh, Thai language articles into English to be compiled and read uh, at some point. But Anyway, yeah, I really appreciate yeah. the chance to, to share this story and uh, bring it out of its obscurity, you might say. And it's no longer yeah, we, a rumor. we broke it here, right? This really happened. New story. Yes. <laughs> this really happened. That's it. That's it. No, I, I also love uh, this last slide. And I think Landon and I, as we've become more involved in talking to groups who are perhaps concerned where temple locations are in their various cities, we become more aware of, of temples and just some of these locations like an idol. We were in Southern Utah last weekend and we were looking at the new Red Cliffs Temple. It literally can be seen from every major road. It is a massive temple of 96,000 square feet. Mm -hmm. The the stake center next to it is just dwarfed like a matchstick, you know, and you can't look at that and not think this was built to be noticed. I mean, and once you have that mindset, you just start realizing that a lot of them are some of these locations that these residents are questioning and 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 trying to perhaps have relocated. These locations are, you know, just just to be seen. And, and that is that's a very disturbing thought. So I have one last question, and it has to do with the temple, a twofold question. So first of all, what do you think this new temple in Thailand means to the members there? Are they thrilled? Or are they like, oh my goodness, how are we going to staff this? And then the second half, um, what does this temple mean to the people of Thailand? How did they see this? So how, what do the members think? And then what do the people of Thailand think? Just, just your opinion, of course. Um, well, the members obviously are thrilled to have a such a public sort of symbol of their faith. Uh, you know, sh being able to show the building as like, this is, you know, this is where I go to church or whatever that that's a, 
That's a huge thing. Status and sort of face are major issues. So this this gives this gives members a huge amount of face. If that if if you're familiar with the concept of face, it's like status, or you know, um, it gives them huge face. Um, and but um, you know, there's there's certainly a concern from leaders that. Um, you know, this will be lots of excitement for six months or a year, and then it'll die down. And, you know, but staffing it, uh, that is most definitely going to be an issue. I don't know how many, you know, we don't know. I, I mean, we don't know how many hours they'll open a week, but yet. But um, in in the modern age, we'll, we'll know that all very quickly, <laughs> right? Uh, I feel like we will. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know. Does that answer your question? How do Thai people, I mean, Thai people, they, oh, this is, this is great. I don't know how much, if there were problems with the construction, like the site or you know, the lighting, I don't know if that was much of an issue. Um, but um, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not really sure how to answer that. But I mean, again, Thai people are, are they, they're so, accepting of of everybody that they don't really think about a lot of the details surrounding it and um I, I know there will be people no question there will be people who want to join so they can go inside and but they may not really take it very seriously like like many people um in Thailand they don't really take anything seriously um and honestly that's probably why they're happy <laughs> you know uh they just they just relax. that's it we're moving to thailand land and yeah. let's do it let's let's <laughs> let's open a studio mormonish studio thailand and, and let's go be happy how about that that yeah. sounds wonderful i've always wanted to go to thailand so oh is that really you have not been landing because you've been no, in many been, many places no, in the world you travel internationally all the time interesting do you have any final thoughts landon and then i think we'll wrap this extremely interesting conversation up no, I've, I've just heard great things about Bangkok, and uh, I, I would love to love to visit this place. It's a uh, yeah. yeah. If, 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 if you ever have trouble. a chance, if you ever have a chance, uh, you should go. I do think this will be kind of a, a tourist destination, no, no doubt. I mean, there's, I mean, there's, uh, in 2018, nearly 40 million foreigners visited Thailand, uh, so there's a huge exposure for for tourists you know there, there'll be people from all around the region come to this until another temple is built in cambodia there's going to be one in india singapore has been announced even indonesia but i don't know when those will be constructed actually but anyway so yeah very very interesting well thank you so much brother jones that was absolutely fascinating your insider perspective because you do have a lot of knowledge about the culture and the history and all of that. And for our viewers and listeners, um, let us know, did you ever have an experience on your mission or, you know, sometimes where you felt um, a little disadvantaged because of your LDS upbringing that you didn't quite understand the culture? Did you ever make a mistake? Did you ever spend time in jail? <laughs> just weigh in. I'm just curious, you know, how prevalent this is where you felt disadvantaged in another country because of the way you were raised, just not exposed to other cultures because you came perhaps from a place of a moral high ground, you know, 
know, I mean, maybe not intentionally, but I, I think a lot of us now recognize that's kind of how it was. So yeah, we'd be very curious to have you guys comment. Um, please like and subscribe. And if you'd like to be made aware of when our new episodes come out, you can hit that notification bell. And if you would like to support Mormonish financially, we have links uh, to PayPal and Venmo in our show notes. And we certainly really appreciate our listeners and our viewers that have been um, reaching out and supporting us um, financially recently. It's, it's very nice. And we absolutely appreciate and love you guys. So that being said, thank you so much. And we'll say goodbye for now for Mormonish. Thank you again, Brother Jones. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Mormonish. We really appreciate our listeners and would love to hear from you if you have a story you'd like to share. You can email us at mormonishpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and on our website, mormonishpodcast.org. And don't forget to look for us on YouTube and like and subscribe. Keep joyful, everybody.